How's everybody doing? Some of you I have not seen since last year. Bad joke, I know, but it's true. I haven't seen some of you since Christmas. Some of you, it's been a little bit before that. Did you have a good Christmas holiday? I know a bunch of you have been traveling, Brian Jacoby. <clears throat> so what kind of stuff did you get? Did you like enjoy like trips? Did you have good gifts? Did you? You did? I, I had a really good Christmas. Um, and, and I have to tell you, a really good Christmas for me, I traveled so long in my career prior to, to this ministry that for me, a really good Christmas is at home with my boys. Um, it means a lot to me to get that time, and that time for me is really sacred. And so um, I got that opportunity um, for the holidays. And gifts are not necessarily all that we're about, although, not going to lie, I really do enjoy getting them. Y'all don't act like I'm the only one. (laughs) But this year, I got a gift that, like, is one of my favorite gifts I have gotten in a really long time. And I got this gift from my mother-in-law. And I saw the look on your face when I said mother-in-law. But I am very close to both my mother and my father-in-law. They, they really have become, especially with both of my parents gone now, they are like parents to me. And I'm very close to them. And my mother-in-law and my father-in-law are both retired. And so my mother-in-law, I think, is always looking for something new to do. And so this year, for me and my sister-in-law, she weaved each of us a scarf. Look at this scarf, y'all. I want you to see this loom. I've got a picture of it. Jackie's going to pull it up here. I know she is. There it is. Now, I will admit, who in the world has time on their hands to weave? (laughs) My (laughs) mother-in-law. And the process, look at this. It is crazy what it takes to do this. It takes her about a day to load up the thread in order to even begin the process of weaving. And I've been watching this go down ever since she told us, there's one of our scarves she's making right there. Um, I've been watching this process with her, because every time I go over there, you can see where the strings go in. If you look really close, they go into these metal, look at that, those little metal clamps. That's another scarf. That actually might be mine right there. And I think it is. And you can see how precision she has to figure that out, where each one of those are placed. And then she begins to do like the old school thing with this long wood piece that begins to scoot over and then it pushes back and it begins this product right there that ended up looking like this. So I have to tell you, and it's not a short process. It takes her a day and a half just to thread it. And so when she came in, and she didn't even wrap it, she's got it on hangers, and she said, okay, I got one for you and Christy, and Christy's my sister, which one do you want? And she said, I have a feeling I know, so take it. And I have been blown away by just, and I'm not a scarf girl, but I am now with this one. So that was something for me that has been like crazy, meant a lot to me. And it was interesting because my first sermon with you guys this year is on a mother-in-law 
and a daughter-in-law. And I have to tell you that this is one of my favorite stories. So I'm so excited that I get to preach the first part of the year and my first sermon of the year with you on this story. A story of human love reflecting and then acting out divine love. A story of human love reflecting and acting out divine love. The story of Ruth reminds me that this is a story in the Bible that relates to every single one of us in the room. Themes of emptiness and fullness abound. Famine turning into abundant food, loss turning to love, bitterness turning into joy, and bareness giving way to birth. All in four chapters. So today, just like my mother-in-law did when she began to weave this scarf to me, I want to weave the story of Ruth to you together here in just a few minutes. And I think I can do it. Y'all ready? We're going to start with thread one. How love is shown in the midst of loss and bitterness. So I want you to follow this with me because we've all been in this storyline. I don't know what loss looked for you, like for you, whether it was death, loss of someone who has said, I can't accept you, so I'm walking away from you. I don't know what that is for you, but we've all experienced loss. Set against the backdrop, there's a national calamity. That means there is something major going down, and it was famine in Bethlehem. Naomi and her family have to move. They move to a a town called Moab. (laughs) What happens when they move? So, So remember, they're having to move already from their homeland. They get to this other place. What happens when they get to Moab? Everybody dies. Everybody but her daughter-in-laws. So kind of the first chapter of Ruth really isn't as much about Ruth as it is about Naomi. And that's what we discover in this story, except the most famous verse in this, this entire story comes from the first chapter. But I want you to know, Naomi's mad. How many have been there when you've had the loss? She's angry. She's upset. She even says, don't call me Naomi. My name's Mara right now because I'm angry. The mighty has taken it all away from me, and I'm not, I'm not where I need to be. How many have said that? Look, you can talk to me about God all you want to, but I ain't there yet. I ain't there yet. I'm hurt because I feel like God has left me and I feel like he's deserted me. He took my sons, he took my husband and I've had to leave my home. And now the only thing left for me to do is to go home. So she says to her daughter-in-laws, you go home. You go back to your home. One daughter-in-law kisses her on the cheek, says bye. But then she's got this one daughter-in-law and And don't think for a minute that I don't think it's interesting that God uses a story of a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. We're giggling about it, right? But that relationship has always been an oddity for us in our society. 
So I don't think it's by chance that God uses this story. What does Ruth begin to tell Naomi? So we pick up in verse 1, around, I mean, uh, chapter 1, verse 16, she says, Do not press me to leave you or to run back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my people. Because the bitterness of Naomi is not the whole story. It was also Ruth's loyalty. So we've all got that person in our life when we get to that place that goes, wait a minute. I don't understand where you are right now, but I'm going to walk this with you. So remember that as we walk through. She says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to walk with you. Your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. Basically, guess what? Mother-in-law, you are stuck with me. We have all experienced severe loss. Loyalty in the midst of our own great loss. Were you able to focus on the loss or were you able to focus on the loyalty? We're human. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's neither. Sometimes we're just lost in that, just like Naomi was. I'm Mara. I can't be Naomi right now. I feel like God's left me. Then we get to the second thread. And it's about to get good. Y'all, it's better than any Hallmark movie you've ever watched. And that speaks a lot for me. Don't judge me. Love is embodied in human action. All of a sudden, Ruth realizes, oh my goodness, I got to do something or we're going to starve to death. And Naomi just doesn't have it within her to fix this right now, so I have to. So the Bible begins to talk about how Ruth goes out, and the, and the term they use is gleaning. Basically, it's, I got to go grocery shopping and get some barley or we're going to starve. But she ends up in the right field at the right time. She ends up in a field that belonged to a gentleman whose name was Boaz. And Boaz is about to be the good part of this story, y'all. You know that really good-looking guy on the Hallmark movie? That's about to happen. Boaz begins to notice, but do you know why Boaz noticed? Boaz didn't notice Ruth in the way Ruth looked. He noticed Ruth and the fact that her loyalty to her mother-in-law. He began to notice that what she was doing was for her and her mother-in-law. Now, Boaz just happens, side note, to be related to Naomi's husband, the husband that passed away. The story is crazy, like this person's attached to this person and this person's attached to this person. It's a good story. Y'all, I wish we had like several weeks because this is one of my favorite stories. God does not speak, y'all, from a burning bush. Nor does God divide the sea in the story and said, God acts through circumstances and through the faithfulness of ordinary human beings. That's me and you. Some of you aren't ordinary. Some of you are amazing. Okay, all of you. But here's what the scripture says in chapter 2, verse 11. It says, may the Lord reward you for your deeds. 
And may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Now it's going to get good. They've lost everything. Ruth lost her father-in-law, her land, her husband. She has lost everything. Naomi has lost her children, her husband, her land. She's lost everything but Ruth. In the midst of Ruth taking care of her and Naomi, the tide begins to change. If Ruth had sat in her own pain, we may be talking about a very different story. But Ruth found a way to work through her pain by helping Naomi, right? So we get to the third thread. Love is built on trust. And in this thread, it's a daring act of trust. Naomi finds hope. And the, and the scripture lets us know that by this chapter in two, all of a sudden Naomi's coming back to life. Naomi begins to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And here's what she does. She goes to Ruth. Now y'all get ready for this. She says, now wash and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he is finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what to do. Y'all are just wondering if I'm going to talk about that, aren't you? <laughs> A pastor's worst nightmare is talking about that. Y'all know that, right? <laughs> but let me tell you something. What I appreciate about this part of the story is that Naomi trusted Ruth enough to listen. And Ruth trusted Naomi enough to do what she said. And what we don't necessarily know is that in a lot of scripture, feet mean something. I don't get it because y'all feet are ugly. There is nothing pretty about feet. I don't care how much you paint them, what you put on them, they're bad. Like it's God's sense of humor that he gave us all feet. But you need them, right? I mean, we need them or we can't walk. If you've ever broke your toe and you try to walk, feet mean something. And we don't necessarily know in this scripture if feet meant something. But it does appear that it was an act of trust and that it was an act, hello. And it was an act for some reason as to why God was calling her to do this. When we unite together with vision and action, things happen because we trust, right? So Naomi and Ruth begin to work together. They had already been together, but now they started working together. So then we get to the last thread of the story, where love brings new life and new beginning. Ruth all of a sudden becomes a wife again. But here's the really cool part. Ruth then becomes a mom 
Hello, do you get me here? I mean, 10 minutes ago, I'm telling you she's lost everything. And now she's a wife, and now she's a mom. Holy cow. And then what is so cool about this fourth chapter is the verse that I want to read to you is that it says that the ladies begin to interpret for Naomi. And this is what they tell Naomi. In chapter 4, verse 15, it says, He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Hello, we all need that. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. God's saying to her, this baby is going to change your life. This baby is going to restore what you have lost. Ruth becomes Naomi's greatest blessing. Ruth, her daughter-in-law. Go tell that to your mother-in-law, ladies. Abundant harvest, overflowing blessings, new life, where before there was only emptiness, all of it is made possible through the goodness and love of God and acted by Ruth. Here's the cool part. That baby that Ruth has, (laughs) this is so cool, becomes the grandfather to King David. Hey. Y'all tell me that God can't make a trial a blessing. There is nothing you're going through. There is nothing you're going to go through that God can't take that big mess and whatever's going on and go, you know what, I'm going to make the story greater than it was when it started. So if you think your pieces don't matter, God will take those pieces and he will make you a masterpiece. Just like he did the threads that my mother-in-law used for this right here. He will take it and all that hard work and everything that you've been through, he will make it a blessing. Does he cause it to happen? Don't go down that road. That's bad theology, poor. But what God does do is he takes that, 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 that awfulness that has happened and he says, I'm going to make it a masterpiece. Sometimes the way God works is in the process. It may not be parting the Red Sea or a slingshot and rocks or even five loaves and two fishes. The story of Ruth reminds us that God is working in the midst of the process always. God used a poor woman's, a widow, faithfulness that would give her far more than she could ever physically want or ever need. God blessed her with an abundance of love. Love that was given to her. Love that would be able to share with the world. A story that everyone could experience and relate to. Love looked at Ruth and went, psych. Love said, there is far more ahead of you than what is behind you. And love said, your obedience and your faithfulness are going to change the world. When we unite together, hello, thank you. Carla, I love you so much. When we unite together in love, we don't need a burning bush. When we unite together in love, 
We don't need to see the sea parted. When we unite together in love, all we need to do is move together in obedience. That was better than that, y'all. When we let go of the notion of what should be or what was and live into what God is calling us to right now, we will understand the true meaning of love in its abundance. I'm going to repeat that because y'all, y'all, didn't, y'all didn't say much on that. When we let go of the notion of what should be or what was and we live into what God is calling us to now, we will understand the true meaning of love in abundance. Ruth was not alone. She always had Naomi. Naomi was not alone. She always had Ruth. When they united together, that's in chapter 2 when the story changed. When we begin together as a family, put our pieces together, and we begin to let God use those threads, and we begin to let God put it on that loom, and we begin to watch him a little bit at a time, all of a sudden, guys, we look back, and there is this masterpiece. When we unite together in love, we, through God, change the story. You, and some of you look in this room and you look at me and you go, but you don't know my story. And you're right, I don't, but I don't need to. God does. God does. And if you're here, it's because he created you for a purpose and a reason. And whatever your reason is that the world has told you something different about yourself, if the world has taken it all away from you or you feel that, God says when you unite together, you're going to change the story. And it may not look like a miracle that you're used to or it may not look like what you're wanting it to look like, but it doesn't mean I'm not working. And it doesn't mean that I'm not moving in the midst of what is going on. Guys, in the midst of our church, God is moving, and he's moving because you're still here. And as long as we are still here and we bring those people out there that we know need to be here, we're going to change the story. This story doesn't have to stay like it is, and I'm not going to sit and gripe about it either because I'm going to do something about it. But I can't do it by myself. I need your help, and I'm dependent on all of us to do this together. We're going to hear stories. Some of you have already reached out to me this week and said, Dee, have you seen this? I'm worried. I'm concerned or should I should be. Let me tell you, you're going to read all kinds of things in the news. Thank you for asking me before you believe it all. Usually I call Pastor Stan, he fills me in, and then I call you back. <laughs> but we're going to see a lot of things. We're going to have a lot of questions. But here's what I want you to know. And when your friends ask you, when people say something to you and they're looking for a place to be where they know they are fully loved and they are accepted, you bring them here. Because it doesn't matter what that story over there is, I'm going to tell you what our story is. And our story is we're going to unite together and we're going to love everybody together. That's what we're going to do. And you can just say them. 
Say to them, we ain't playing. This is not a joke because this is what God has called us to do. Now what I'm going to do is let the really good speaker come up here and I'm going to have my boss come up because he's got a few words that he wants to share with you today as we get ready to close. But I challenge you all to look. You see the empty seats? We're doing better. We're getting them fuller and fuller. But guys, I want to see seats all the way to the back. Not because I care about filling this room, because God has said to me, let me tell you what the Lord has really said to me about this place, is it's about the quality of what God is doing in this place. But what I know is that there are people that need to know that there is a crosswalk. That their past doesn't matter. Who they love doesn't matter. They need to know that there is a crosswalk. That they can come in and worship either just sitting there or they can come in and worship with their hands in the air. We don't care. They need to know that it doesn't matter the color of their skin. They don't need to matter. If they want to have purple hair, it's okay. Thank you, Jesus. But you know those people and we need to get them here. That's why these seats need to be filled.